0: This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website
1: that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about a highly relevant topic as we are all back in person more often and we may be a little rusty in this area. And that is, we're going to discuss tips for hosting a successful event. We've all participated in good ones and not-so-good ones, and now that we are heavily invested in running our own events through our sub-brand, Forthright Women, we thought an episode on this topic would be helpful to us and all of you.
0: Yeah, and events can be an excellent way to bring people together for community or training or celebrating, and this was actually a lot of my life when I worked in PR at P&G. At times, actually, I felt like a glorified party planner.
1: (laughs) As we Is that ev- in your job description?
0: <laughs> it could be. Honestly, it could be. But we would curate these events in order to primarily attract and encourage journalists and influencers to write positively about us. But whether your audience is journalist or someone else, the objective is always the same, which is we want to produce a memorable event that positively impacts your reputation through value creation.
1: Exactly, and therefore the reason for this episode. So let's get into four tips for hosting a successful event. Number one, be clear on who the event is for and who it is not for. Both are equally important. So one of the risks or worries of running an event is always, what if no one comes? And when you let yourself swirl in this space, this ultimately leads to inviting everyone without targeting anyone in particular. So first, take a deep breath here. We have had to do the same. Mm -hmm. And then be super clear, super clear on who the event is for and who it is not for. Because you want people to be able to see themselves or read themselves in your intentions and then immediately say, yes, that is me or no, that is definitely not me. Make it easy for them to self-select in or out so that you are getting the right people to come and then eliminating the ones that maybe aren't such a good fit. We all get so many communications and really invites these days. Now that we're kind of Mm -hmm. back on, there's all kinds of invites coming through. So this setup is really critical because you want people to – get excited, and then opt right in, like in that moment. Because we all have this thing where, right, we have the best of intentions to come back. We read something and we're like, oh, yeah, I think I do want to do that. And then 150 emails later, it's completely buried and you've forgotten. And how likely are you to go back and remember or even find that thing if you do happen to remember? So I said, you know, we struggled with this with our first Forthright Women event because we ultimately made the decision – that the event was going to be for executive moms that are quote-unquote in it mm-hmm, when it mm-hmm. comes to parenting their children. Our Forthright Women overall sub-brand has allowances to be more broad than that. But when we really sat down and we started to think about why we were doing this and how to put on an event that would be relevant to everyone, we did some time reflecting on some past runs we had taken at Forthright Women and what that looked like. And what we came back with was when we allow more of a breadth of folks to come in, it kind of waters things down. And it's not any right. discredit toward anyone that was involved. And we are so thankful and grateful, like, don't mishear me, for every single person that participated and entertained us and put up with all the trial runs. But what we came to is, you know, we are asking a good amount of time. I think it was, what, two and a half hours of right, right. people's time. It's real close to the holiday season. And like we said, we're all getting invited to all kinds of things. And so we had to create something where these women could see themselves in the event and also see the value of other women in that profile coming to it as well. And what we realized and why we came to executive moms that are in it, quote unquote, not that that was our exact definition, but close enough, was that this is an underserved market there aren't a lot of groups that are serving this particular group of women. And so we opted to focus there really specifically and make it a really objective, non-emotional decision. I right. mean, when we kind of ran it past someone at a, a networking event, I remember them being like, well, I don't have kids. What about me? And we it did give us pause, but we were like, yeah, but it's just not the same set of challenges then. And so we came to that objective place and we decided we're going to take a run at this. And if that means less people are going to come, but the quality of the people and the consistency of what we're trying to get to is there, we felt like that's where the magic could happen. And I'll say one more thing and then I'll let Ann talk about this point. But we did have one person come back and tell me that when we sent out that email, she was like, it was so clear and so decisive. And she was one of the targets. She said she sent that out to her company, not as like an invite to the women, but as a, this is what we should be doing when it comes to this type of thing. Because I was able to read that and take that in and know that, yes, this is for me and it's not for these other people. And it just made my decision super black and white.
0: Yeah. Everything you said, I think is right on. And I think the point that it's not an easy decision to make because we have a tendency, especially in this day and age, to want to be inclusive of yep. everybody. And I, what I want you guys to hear is this stuff doesn't mean that by refining your profile for your invitees that you're not being inclusive. What right. you're doing is you're making the the event of value to the population of the people that are going to to be there. Yes. So this is actually, I think, the demise of a lot of, well, just since we're on the topic of female groups or women's groups, of a lot of those, where a lot of these groups are set up by demographic. If you're a woman, then you're here. Or if you have a job, then you're here. Or if you, like, whatever that, like, basic demographic is, but what they fail to do is really hone in on the psychographics. So whether it's a, again, I mean, we've been talking from a female event standpoint, but this could be any event, yep. is think about what the psychographics are of the people who are going to show up. So, I mean, as another example, we just went to the the Northern Kentucky Women's Event there. Now, I said Women's Event, this could have been any event. This is not was not a networking event. They could have posed as a networking event, but it was an educational event. It was supposed to be more inspirational. There was a lot of speakers. or were back-to-back. You had a couple minutes in between, but it really wasn't a networking event. Anybody who was trying to network or use that, that event for that purpose would have been sorely disappointed. Yes. Right? So to say that it's a networking event and have people actually invest their time to come there with the expectations on networking and not having that facilitated in a way that you would have expected if it's a networking event would be very disappointing. Mm-hmm. So I, I give you those examples just to really hopefully help you guys hone in on how important it is to really drill down on those psychographics in order to really define a profile that's going to appreciate what you have to offer, that is what's going to make a successful event, whether it if it's like 10 people or yep. 100 people.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And that's the point of this point, right, is to be crystal clear in the communication and not to hedge and right. to make sure that you really are putting your stake in the ground and then you hold yourself to that to be sure that it doesn't waver anyway along the path.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be hard to say no to some folks, but I find the more honest you could be, which is, you know, and we, we've we had that conversation with several folks, not just those who didn't have kids, but those who were younger mm-hmm. and had kids. And we're like, you're just not in the same life stage as the rest of these women. Yep. It's not going to feel like colleagues. It's going to feel like mentorship or, you yep. know, where... These women are going to feel like they have to take care of you versus being able to indulge on themselves for that that amount of time, or they're going to feel like they got to, to teach or educate versus explore themselves. No fault or n- no judgment on either side. It's just not what the intent of the event was. So yes. you have to be really honest with yourself on these things, or else you tend to have, like you said, an event that just basically delusive for everybody. And everybody's like, what did I just spend my time doing? Yes. Yeah.
1: All right, number two on the four tips for hosting a successful event. Specify the run of show, but be flexible in the moment. And I will take this one because this is one that I personally struggle with in the fact that I am a control freak. I know that shocks everyone. I want to cross all the T's and dot all the I's and run things accordingly. But the problem with that is that we're dealing with human beings and you cannot predict human behavior. And so you have to really flex that emotional intelligence muscle in the moment and balance out the desire to stick to the run of show with what actually is happening and where there may be chemistry or opportunities in some organic situations in the event. Now, What we're not saying here, I just want to be clear, is to kind of phone it in or just kind of like throw the run of show out because you think things are quote unquote going well or running along or whatever. We're saying the opposite. So when you start to formulate your event, you really should plan everything down to the very last detail and then plan for what you might not expect to happen and play out what you're going to do if those things happen. But then also knowing that you just, you can't control it all, right? And so you're going to have to make decisions in the moment because there are going to be unanticipated things. And what you want to do is make room for those unanticipated things. So if you've planned accordingly and you've done every detail and you're in the minutia and then you have kind of your... Plan B of if these things happen, we're going to do this. Then when other unexpected things come up, good or or not so good, you're much more capable of handling them because you put all the work into place to getting there. Mm -hmm. At our event, we did this very thing. So we let the networking time go longer because it was clear that people were getting to know each other and the chatter and the energy was really good. Um, We were going around and kind of facilitating some introductions to folks or if anyone was standing on their own. But in large part, when we would connect people, they were starting to go themselves, right? So we thought good for them to have a little bit of level of comfortability before we make everyone sit down and we have the speaker. And then same thing, we had had Logan Hines, the president and CEO of Mitchell Salon and Day Spa speak. And Anne and I actually had the conversation about do we do intros before she speaks or after? And we thought, well, if she speaks first, we know she's speaking with a level of vulnerability, so it's probably better to wait and have people introduce themselves after because they'll feel more comfortable saying more than just, Mm -hmm. I'm this title and I have these children, right? But. As people were more comfortable than we thought, one of the participants was like, Oh, hold on, hold on, can we do intros before we get into this? <laughs> now, she knew she was really getting my goat with that statement. In fact, I think she said, April's going to kill me, but <laughs> can we please do this first? And we did that, and it was totally fine, and it kind of warmed people up and got more of a chuckle and all of those things. And then finally... <laughs> because Logan knows I'm a control freak, we didn't get to our list of questions, our prompt questions for discussion. And afterwards, she came up and she goes, all I could think about was, oh my God, April didn't get to ask her questions. Is this going to be okay? She actually said (laughs) that to the whole entire group. Oh, she did? (laughs) I must have blacked out at that point. Um, (laughs) But the conversation was going really well. And so Anne and I didn't need to facilitate then. But... What you're hearing us say there and the important part about that is we had plans in place that then allowed us to make informed choices on what we were going to do next because we were able to be a little more breezy in the moment <laughs> oh, okay. because we, were, we knew what the plan was, maybe Anne more than me. But the point of this is, okay, so you have your run of show, but then being flexible. So really it becomes less important and needs to be less structured if the energy is going up and the flow is becoming natural, but also just make sure that you are paying off what you promise to people and that you're not kind of throwing things out because the energy happens to be good because like Anne made the point in the previous point You know, you want people to feel like it's worth their investment of time. And I think just make sure that the things that are non negotiables do happen to pay off whatever you promised as far as the experience of that event is.
0: Yeah, I think those are all really, really good points. And I mean, I chuckle because April's. I think our New Year's resolution is gonna to be to be more breezy, so we'll see how that all goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: More to come. I don't I'm, um, not, I'm not a big resolution person, but I feel like if I <laughs> if I were to put that in place, I'm pretty sure by like week two after the Florida glow wears off, I would be back where I am. So yeah, I'm well, not sure.
0: I must say that you have <laughs> adjusted. I've adjusted. Yes. I, yes, I have. I, I think what you said is all is all very, very important. And I think the run of show is basically a tool, but yes. it does help things not get off the rails either. Exactly. So, I mean, if that, we could have let that discussion go on all night and not gotten to anything, Uh, right? right? And And I think that would have been bad. It would have been bad, especially if we didn't know how much time we really wanted to allow to it in order to let everything else also have the time it needs in order to be fully developed and let people engage in it and you know let Logan make sure she had enough time to have to, to speak and then have questions asked and all of those sorts of things. So I think the important point to take away here is that the runner show is a guide to really ensure everyone is on the same page regarding structure and content. That's what it does. It aligns, it's almost like a brief that aligns what the event's gonna be like. Yeah. And I, I kind of equate it to like a play, right? Yeah. If, if you're gonna you're orchestrating
1: things. Yeah you're yep.
0: orchestrating things. If you're gonna go do a play you wouldn't just be like, all right, um, just just talk, right? <laughs> right. You have like a script that says, okay, what you want people to say, where they're supposed to be, what, you know, basically in the, even the context of the tone or the or the production quality, all of these things are really, really important because they create the experience that you want to have in order to bring this all together in order to create value. It's also really important to use it to, uh, to really fine-tune logistics and then also transitions, yes. which a lot of people forget. And then it becomes really important when you're trying to move from one thing to the next. As also, to your point, is the contingency plans. What we also see in a lot of people neglect the all performance value of it. And not that it has to be literally to like the point that you're doing like a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking if you have any elements of lighting, if you have any elements of AV, if you have in some cases, music going or introductions and really trying to map all those things out to make sure that they they go smoothly. It's really, really important that you run a show encompasses all of those things. Yes.
1: Yeah. And there are just there, are, you know, I, unlike Anne, I'm not the master of events. I like to host and throw parties and things. So it's not that I'm like alien to it, right? It's it's some it's in my wheelhouse. But the thing that I've known and recognized about myself over the years is that if I don't plan it out or almost play it out, I do miss things like the transitions Mm -hmm. or how are we going to get from here to there? And I think that that is a common thing. I mean, especially as someone who feels like I'm pretty good with people and I've been to enough of these things, I could easily fall into that like, I'm good at this and I've been to plenty so I can just go ahead and do it but I think that's where people get in trouble and they they fall off is they don't consider all of the little moments and details that actually are the important things and I'm preempting a little bit here Mm -hmm. but they are those things that make or break your event I feel like yeah I totally agree all right (laughs) I really preempted it's the next point Um, number three incorporate touches that will delight the guests and Anne, there you go I set you up (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, you did, um, which is totally fine. Uh, So this is like we were just talking about a sub point of the run of show, but it's really important that we wanted to make it a point of its own because it really is what sets the experience, Mm -hmm. right? And these are the things that you are going to be planning that may be outside of the, the meat of the show or the content of the show or the event. And those are things like the menu or making sure that people are having enough to eat or drink, or for example, for me, I'm gluten-free. Are there things there that I can partake in? Um, the swag bags, mm-hmm. you know, making sure things are personalized if you can. When we were talking about the event we hosted, we had personalized skin consultation. So that became very, very personalized. So these are about the little things that actually have a big impact. And when you tie them all together, it creates experience that's memorable. It creates something that people – are able to recognize in 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 glam onto in a way that builds your credibility and your reputation, but it also creates something that they want to actually share. Yes, and this is something you plan to have as in a series, like we are. We want people to share because we want people excited to come back. We want people to bring other people with them. We want them to really advocate for us on our behalf because that word of mouth is really really so. Important. So it's really important to really think about how you're going to curate this event to really, again, I use the word personalize this for the people that are going to be there. And when you are really clear about your target audience and you can hone in on that target audience, this becomes so much easier because you know what they like. You know what you're going to be able to give them that's going to be appreciated. And that is how you can create this event that's not just you pushing out content. It is them appreciating the value of the experience that you're bringing to them. So like I said, in our Forthright Women event, we had the skin consultations. That's one element of doing personalization. We also had these really awesome collagen gloves, which I'm finding now is taking the place of the paraffin wax. Yes. That um, they actually took the fingers out of them so that we can actually hold our wine. I mean, (laughs) so usually like these little touches that people, so people are both going around with these like like almost like little like plastic clown gloves holding their wine and just really having fantastic (laughs) conversations. But then the bags were beauty bags because it was Logan and we wanted to make sure it was curated in order to really promote the whole beauty element, which it wasn't, the content was about beauty, but she represented yes beauty in in, in, yeah. in the company, and so it had those elements. But it also had tools of the trade that she uses, like a post-it notes and and things like that, in order to really drive the connections of like, oh, she's like, I use post-it notes. There were post-it notes in our in the swag bag. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit of a happy accident, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was like, oh, it kind of just gave us a little bit of pause of like thinking about how to make sure that those connections are made so people see can appreciate the event, but then also take it with them when they leave because that creates more impact.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I mentioned the things that kind of carry your event along. A couple just points to add on this is these are the things that people go off and talk about and that came back around to us. You know, we had a couple instances where people had to back out last minute for illness and other things. And We got back from them from other people like, oh, well, I heard I really missed out, you know, and it was these types of things that we're talking about where it was like carefully curated and targeting the women that were coming. And then also I think the swag bag thing is a nice delight in and of itself, but drawing back the connection points and then also Anne always talks about offering something that people can't just get as a general thing out there, right? And so Logan put 20% off certificates in everyone's bag and one of a different woman came to me and said and I really appreciated 20% off at Mitchell's like are you kidding me I'm scheduled for my facial next week and so you can see how it helps to carry you on and I think you know and you've said the thing before about being careful not to invite the younger women because then the, the more experienced ones feel like they have to mentor right This event was very much about these women being able to come and take care of themselves. Right, right, right. And so I think what we did when we built in all these moments of delight, the criteria became how can we do that for them? So whether it was takeaway beauty products or it was post-its because Logan talked about the fact that that saves her life on the regular, you know, it was continuing that along. But the lens in our minds the whole time was – Well, we're the target too. So what would we want to feel like we were cared for because that was the goal of this event, knowing that we're all running around crazy and dealing with so many things as executive moms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really good point.
1: All right, number four. In the tips for hosting a successful event, have someone run the event that is not a participant in it, Anne.
0: Yes, so this is where you need to be very – diligent in how you're assigning roles and responsibilities to folks, because a lot of times you'll try to have people double duty, one, yeah. to manage the expense of having people do it for you, or two, because of the control freak nature, <laughs> which is like, only I can make sure this event goes off well. Well, if you're going to be the person who is making sure the event goes off, then it's going to be very, very hard for you also be a host of the event. Yeah. Because you're going to be constantly distracted from making the connections, facilitating the conversation, all of these things that are really, really important to make sure your event comes off the way that you intended, because you're going to be like, well, why isn't the food out? Why are the lights not like working? And like, what, who's supposed to be checking in all these people? And so those are due very specific and very different roles and so you need to assign them as such. And I mean, we got this in spades when our uh, Laura, who was supposed to be our person who was managing our logistics, got sick at the last minute. And so then me and April were like trying to double duty on our first event, all of the logistics and hosting. It's, we can tell you it was not easy and it felt very awkward to have to step away from a conversation because we had to figure out you know, do do we have like the wine up on, you know, the counter or, you know, whatever, or so-and-so doesn't have their wine or, you know, it it just became a really hard thing to manage. And it felt a little phonetic in in the moment. So make sure you are assigning those roles appropriately and making, and and by having somebody who's kind of your run a show master, if you will, it helps to make sure that somebody is keeping an eye on that from a time standpoint, from an energy standpoint, from like, hey, something's missing standpoint, or this thing has just changed standpoint. That doesn't mean that you don't make some of those decisions, but it does help to have somebody who's actually looking at it on a regular basis. It also makes sure that, as you had mentioned, April, that the event goes off as intended so that you can bring that value home Because the last thing you want is to take advantage of people's time thats their most precious commodity and not be able to leave that event feeling that you gave it everything that you thought you could give it. That doesn't mean everything's going to go right. It doesn't mean like it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean everybody's going to like every single element of everything that you guys did. But it does make you feel good that I put the best event out there that I possibly could.
1: Yeah, I think all of that is so true. And I, you know, I reflected on the fact that we didn't have Laura and, I think my takeaway from it was the pressure that people were coming to be with women like them, but right behind that, people were coming because of Anne and me. Right. And I'm not saying that in an ego-driven way, but they understood what the quality of the event was going to be as a result of that because they knew we weren't going to let things go off the rails. And so, when we had those moments of having to step away, I was very cognizant that people, that all the people, all the individuals felt like they got the right amount of time and attention from you and I as the hosts. Right. Even if that meant going up to someone as the event was ending and chatting for an extra 10 minutes or, you know, whatever that looked like, because the host should be integral. In the experience of the event. So I think it just reinforces, yeah, we kind of fell into this and yeah. never want to do that again. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's that point of, that's part of whether they believe it's worth it or not. Yeah, I agree. All right. So just to recap, four tips for hosting a successful event. Number one, be clear on who the event is for and who it is not for. Both are equally important to being able to self-select on either side. Number two, specify the run of show but be flexible in the moment. Make sure you're on track to cover everything you intend but not at the sacrifice of natural moments that occur and are to the benefit of the event. Number three, incorporate touches that will delight the guests. These are the things that make people feel extra special, that blow them away enough for them to share with others after. They tie things up in a nice neat bow. And number four, have someone run the event that is not a participant in it. This ensures things stay on track and lets the host or hosts – participate with their guests. Marketing Smarts is sponsored by scottmautz.com, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-U-T-Z.com. Scott Maltz is a popular keynote speaker and number one bestselling author whose latest book and talk, Leading from the Middle, helps middle managers dramatically increase their influence up, down, and across their organization. Want your company's middle managers and leaders equipped to foster a high-performing organization? Want them inspired to drive the change and transformation that's a challenging necessity moving forward? Then go to scottmautz.com to check out Leading from the Middle and all of Scott's keynotes, trainings, courses and books on a personal note marketing smarts has worked with scott as our business coach and found our own successful results so we highly endorse him and in our next segment which is in the trenches where we give real world examples specific to industries and situations but with broad application so any of you listening can digest and put them into action number one what if things start to fizzle out or people don't seem to be enjoying themselves what do we do Okay, first and foremost, do not panic.
0: <laughs> yeah, easier said than done. Every Yeah,
1: and, and yes, we know that that is a big ask. As long as you don't panic, every situation is salvageable. So take a deep breath and then try to diagnose in an objective manner what is happening. Because a lot of times it's in those transition moments or maybe you spent a little too long in one place, those types of things. So... Is it just time to move on to the next thing? Have you been in this current space too long or on this current topic too long? Do you need to stand up and say something to the group or offer a conversation starter to get things back on track as the host of the event? Is it something simple like the line's too long for drinks? Can you or someone else jump in and assist or can you nominate someone to get things moving along a little better? Are people standing around awkwardly? You facilitate introductions. This is part of your role as host. We just talked about that and what Ann and I were doing with our event. Help people connect if they're not naturally able to do so. And then also... Have some folks pre planned to help you in these instances. We said it can be hard to host and participate at the same time, so use some of your people. You know, strategically invite them to be around and to be a pair of hands if necessary. Use the staff at the event to help here by being your eyes and ears to prevent this type of thing from happening or to get in front of it having a major impact. I mean, I will say... Susan was great leading up to the event, but she was also really good in the moment because she yep. came up and she didn't interrupt or intrude, but she found moments to ask me specific things like, I think the music went out. Is that okay? I, c- I couldn't even hear it because people were talking, but I want to make sure. You know, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And then also allow yourself some grace in knowing nothing will go perfectly the first time. If minor things occur, especially if you're built like me. You're going to have to just brush it off as long as it's not impacting the event in a major way. It's probably okay, and most people aren't even going to notice. Again, we're managing human beings and human experiences, so you're going to have to be realistic that you can have it down to the second and everything set up perfectly. Just know something is going to happen and you're going to have to be able to manage it and move forward.
0: Yeah, I think that last point is a really important one. Is like because even the best laid plans can go awry sometimes yep. because you just didn't anticipate for the human factor. You know, you, <laughs> yep. you just can't, and you just have to be flexible in the moment and then realize that what seems like a disaster to you is probably not as much of a disaster to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so keep that in mind too. So I like the the whole point about giving yourself some grace. The other thing is, and I think you made this point. Uh, in your first point that you said about moving on to the next thing is like when you see things getting stale, even if it's not at time for it, just move on. I mean, especially if it's an agenda based thing, it's just time to move on. And that happens a lot where we over plan time for things like you said. So I think that that's a really good one to keep in mind. But realize too, that not everybody's going to like everything. Yes. Right. So you're going to plan some things. And even though you have a a really core group uh, based on a psychographic filter for your audience, I'm different than April. Right. Mm -hmm. So we hear things differently. We see things differently. We like people differently. So a speaker, for example, may resonate with her and doesn't with me or might resonate with me and not with her. That can happen and that can be totally fine. The thing is, sometimes you just need to get through it. And then you just take the feedback and then you adjust for next time. But here's where I will say also, make sure you do your homework, right? Go and... Make sure you get the references for anybody like a speaker or you make sure to get their talk or at least their talking points ahead of time. You talk about and have a discussion with them about what the intent of the event is and how you want them to show up and how you want them to present. And, you know, so get some familiarity with that so that you can feel good going in that it's the right person for you. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. Yeah, because you need to make sure that you're, again, curating this and cultivating Motivating it to suit the group, not just maybe what one person's filter is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is a really good point that we're not all going to like the same things in the same way or the same people in the same way. And I think that's what you're looking for is for if you have the right target and you've hit it, you want them to really enjoy 75, 80% of it. Right. And then the rest of it, it's like, well, they don't like the food. Okay. Or they didn't like your choice of wine. Okay. It's not going to make or break their experience if they get... The overall key goals and takeaways of what you're putting out there.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Number two in the trenches. I'm going to hand this one to Ann. How do we know how many people to invite and then how many people to expect?
0: Yeah. So, this is a combination of your target and the run of show. So, it's really about thinking about what does your target want and what do you want to reasonably be able to cover in the event? All right, so a good rule of thumb is to start out with an invite that is twice as many people as you want to attend. This really helps you to be able to select the right group as well as for people to opt out or may not be able to get to that email and, and so on and so forth. So it just gives you a nice pool of people in order to pull from, so that you're not feeling like that you invited 10 people and not only five can show. And so is it even worthwhile having the event, which yep. is generally <laughs> what goes on the other side of the investment versus the value that you're going to get out of it. If you're worried about having too many, you could put a cap on things and say that there's only 20 spaces. And so the first 20 that sign up and have paid uh, those are... Going to be the spots, and once the spots are filled, the spots are filled. You can also do a vetting process. You can have and send this all out to a big list of people and say you're having an event. And if they're interested, then they can fill out an application or they can put in a request and that you're going to be going through a vetting and you'll let them know if they were accepted or not. So, this is generally more of a thing that you can do when you've had more underneath your belt yeah. and there's a little bit more of a pull for your events than there is a push for your event. Uh, but that's definitely something you could do. But if you are trying to make the event intimate, make sure that you are sizing it appropriately too. So an intimate event is not 500 of your best friends. <laughs> I mean, thinking about it, even if you're thinking about it from a wedding standpoint, I mean, like a w- intimate wedding is usually, you know, less than a hundred people yep. where you can actually reasonably in a few hours be able to mingle with several. You're not going to mingle with all of them, but you, you're you, at least it's a least an approachable environment that yep. you can at least talk to people. Right, Especially if you want to have group conversation. Group conversation might be less than 100 or it might be breakouts to some extent. We can talk about whether or not I like breakouts. but I think they sometimes work and they sometimes don't work. But if you get stuck with in a breakout with people that you don't like, it just becomes another level of complexity and another place where your value can drop. Just think about when you get stuck at a table at a wedding with mm. people you don't want to talk to. I'm like, oh. This couldn't go any slower. Yep. So just think about that. Now, if you want a big auditorium event, fine, that could work as well. But think about then you run a show accordingly. Uh, And like like I said, it's really hard for people then in in that standpoint to feel engaged throughout the whole entire event because you have to – be more general to the population that you're uh that's there, even if it is your core demographic, because there's more things to cover than or there's more expectation to have more things to cover because you have more filters for which that you have to accommodate. So there's just lots of things to think about and it really comes to what is the point of it, what's the objective of it, what kind of value are you trying to communicate? How are you planning to communicate that value? I mean, do you feel like it's going to be a bunch of people who are going to speak in keynote or it's going to be through a PowerPoint presentation or is it going to be one-on-one interactions? You really have to think through what you want to get out of it and that helps you define what size it should be.
1: Yeah, I think all of that is super important and I think it goes back to making sure that you're clear on your intentions and then again, that target audience because quote-unquote event can mean lots of different things, and there's a huge range, right? And so I think, you know, you just gave the example of like, okay, what does intimate mean? Depending on the type of event, intimate means different things, right? If it's a wedding, an intimate wedding is less than 100 people. If it's, I want to have a speaker and I want us to be able to have conversation and everyone to sit at the same table, that's not 100. Yeah. Right? That's what we have, but it's like 20. Yeah, 20, right? And so I think you really do have to think about how it's going to work best for the people and then what are the goals of your event and kind of marry those two things together with a lot of intentionality in order to make sure that it gets off the ground in the right way and you're setting it up in the appropriate way. Only a couple of other things that I want to add here is definitely expect some last minute no-shows or cancellations and Mm. don't panic about that either. So again, we're people, we're dealing with people, stuff happens. We lost a few people to illness and a family emergency, I think, right up into like within an hour of the event. And so did it take us to fewer than we ultimately wanted? Sure. Did it change the impact of the event? It didn't. Right. Right. And so – and now those people are like, well, shoot, now I missed out. I want to come the next time, right? And so I think that's another moment where you just got to expect that that's going to happen. And then I think also in speaking about the bigger events, like Ann said – You're going to have to assume that everyone's not going to stay for the whole time for those in a lot of cases. So if it's an all-day conference or even a half-day, people have to cover other things. They can't clear their schedule a lot of times for those types of things. So you have to think about that too and how you do your run of show and where you think you're going to have the biggest impact and are there moments where certain speakers might be able to keep certain people for you. All of that kind of stuff is important. And the last thing I will say is just also keep in mind that bigger isn't always better. So don't just go and chase the numbers. All right, our third and final in the trenches is what do we do, if anything, after the event? If anything, just cross that out. You absolutely absolutely (laughs) Should, should should do things after the event. You've got to capitalize on that momentum and keep it going. So at the very least, send a thank you note to everyone that attended with everyone on the thank you note with next steps of what is to come. When is the next event, even if you only know loosely when that might be? Are there materials that you're passing along? Did you promise something to everybody coming out or some follow-ups from the event? Put all that out there. Send a survey on how things went and what people want to see next. It's a great way to keep them engaged. It's also a really good way for you as the owner of the event to have some ideas. Get some ideas. Get it from the mouth of the people that you're targeting, right? Let them know a general idea of what is coming next, not just from when the event is, but other topics you may be considering or how often-ish you think these things will happen, um, just so that they have that in their head and can be keeping it top of mind. It's not just about this one event. And then really reach out one-to-one to the people you really want to hear from and get some of that qualitative feedback. Ask them to be real and honest. These are a lot of times your planted people, <laughs> quote unquote, or the people that you would just say are like the crux of the target, right? If you're get this right, these are the handful of individuals that better give you really good feedback and or some ways to make it better, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I've seen a few of the people since the event and just point blank asked, what'd you think? What would you change? What do you want for next time? And I got some great feedback and then also some super constructive stuff like it was all women, but maybe we can be more diverse in the women that are there, right? Yep, that yep. is a fantastic point. And she wasn't saying that to knock me down. She was saying this is how I would build on an excellent experience, yep, right? Yep. So. Be open to the feedback, but go to those people that you really feel like are the ones that are the prime target and ask them for their input. And then also give people other ways to interact with each other on a continual basis outside of the events themselves. This allows them to make connections and build relationships. It keeps you top of mind and getting the points of bringing them together. And it makes it easier than for the next round of events. Now, whether those same people are going to come or not. It kind of doesn't matter. It can help the chemistry in the room at the moment, or it can help bring them back because they've built connections outside of that room that have continued to grow beyond that specific event.
0: Yeah, I think those are all really, really good points. And I'll add just a few more, which is to share on your social channels. So oh, absolutely. use your event as a way of doing credible market reputation building, right? Um, If I use enough brand and marketing jargon all in one sentence, (laughs) but it's really about showcasing what you're doing. And because a lot of times this is more industry related, more educationally based, more community oriented, like we talked about before, more celebratory in nature, make sure that you're showcasing how you are promoting these things, because it does help to drive a lot of credible reputation back to your business uh, and, and helps to people see you in a little bit of a different light outside just showcasing what you do on a day-to-day basis yep, through your work, right? Yep. Another is give everyone a call to action and a follow-up. So if you're not even going to have another event, that's totally fine, but you should still have some sort of call to action and a follow-up that you want people to go do. Either as something of value for themselves, but and usually it's that and it's a value to you, so whether or not you want them to post or whether or not you want them to go watch a video whether or not you want them to buy a product um events could be launch events, we'd used to do that all the time, whatever it happens to be, or sign up for a thirty minute consultation, give them something that's going to perpetuate further engagement with you because You don't want your event to be like the thing that's standing alone by itself in a silo. Your event's supposed to spark something else. It's supposed to spark whatever you want to come next. It's usually the lead, not the bookend at the end, right? Right. So make sure that you're thinking about what that looks like. And I think that those are like a really fantastic list of like how you can really use the follow up of these events to kind of create more news for your business.
1: Yeah, and I, I'll just say one final thing which is make sure it's authentic. Yeah. And doesn't feel forced. So um I'm the tone police all the time, right? So but this is the way in which you say it but also what you're asking for and setting your expectations up properly from that standpoint too that what they got out of the event is worth whatever you're asking them to do after the event. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And our third and final segment is a brand that is doing things well or not so well in the marketing space based on our personal observations and experiences. And I will take this one. And honestly, for the first time ever, it's 50% one way and 50% the other. Well, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that that sounds totally crazy, but hopefully as I, as I go through this, you'll see where I'm coming from. So My family has been going to some location in Florida since I was, I don't know, 12 years old, except for the COVID year and maybe one or two otherwise. And so this year we went to the Sand Key Marriott, which sits between Clearwater and St. Petersburg on the Tampa Bay. And we went there over spring break, me and my family and then my brother that's right below me in line and his kids. And we found it to be a really great experience both for adults from a uh, food, wine, not sacrificing meals, you know, comfortability, good service, et cetera, to the kids having just a fantastic pool area and they mm-hmm. have a parrot on property and lots of activities for kids. So, you know, best of all the world's given the life stage we're in. So we invited the whole family to come and in true martini fashion, some of us made it for a portion of the time and my family and my parents were there for the whole week. So the reason I say it was 50% one way, 50% the other is for the following reason. So I will start with the good and we've talked on the show before about how as part of the Where the workforce is right now and companies having to change their business models, customer service, especially as it relates to food and beverage, has not been fantastic kind of across the board. Mm -hmm. And so when you get a good experience, it's something that you call out. So I will start there and I will say that the bar staff, both inside and outside, were impeccable. And it's not just because we are big eaters and drinkers, which we are, I will say, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> it's not just because our bar bills wow. were, were big and there were a lot of us, but I will say that they really did go above and beyond. So after the first day, the two that had us knew the drink orders of the whole group. We don't all drink the same things, Right. They're already interacting with us. They definitely had picked up on, you know, you get some groups that want to relax and they don't really want to engage. We're one that wants to relax and engage. And so it was like, you know, my dad was met on the walkway down to the pool on day two with his tequila water immediately, right? Okay, yes, it was noon, but no judgment here. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, that Sam has... Fallen in love with kitty cocktails, which he's only allowed to have on vacation, and they know he loves the cherries. So it was like, how many cherries did he get, and what count were we on for the kitty cocktails? And then, I mean, really, just the entire like picking up on the on the things that we were proud of as a family like the bartender the one night inside was telling us how good the four kids were and that you could tell that they have been taught how they're supposed to act and they don't always get that there and he's appreciative of that Mm. right and so it just it was one of the first times in a really long time and the fact that we were there for a whole week and it stayed consistent and actually got better as they kind of became more in tune with us I just found that to be so impressive the other thing was the cleaning staff for the rooms so all except for one day which this will go on my bad one, where we didn't get service, we had the same woman. Mm-hmm. And she picked up on the fact that there were two little kids. She took the time to, like, put their stuffies to bed. She brought mm-hmm. an extra pad, understanding that Sam was sleeping on the pullout couch, and I said, oh, no, it's okay, he's a kid. And he said, no, 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 seven days is too long to sleep on that for anybody. So she brought, like, an extra mattress pad. I mean, again, just really getting to know who was staying in the room. We had a manager who we recognized from last time and he didn't remember us right away and it wasn't like he faked it. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for coming back and brought over like this gift pack and thanks for bringing additional people and et cetera. He had like clearly gone and checked the reservation and known what he was doing. So amazing, great on that side, above and beyond, can't say enough good things. The other 50% of the not so good. So the desk staff at first, the first two people, which we only saw on the first day were amazing. After that, it was horrible. So given the way travel went this season and sickness has been, we did have some changes in reservations. We made it very clear on day one that we would rather just pay for the nights and have the rooms sit empty than have something happen to those rooms. Because we didn't want any members of the family to get down there and not have rooms. They messed it up with my brother that came late. Luckily, they had a room and were able to accommodate him. They messed it up with my other brother and his wife and two kids. And so my single brother had to sleep on one of the couches in one of the rooms one of the nights. Oops, Yeah. So you can imagine how that went. Well, if he just made his flight, it would have been fine. But Well, that that's fair, too. That was a little bit on him, but the hotel didn't know that. So anyway, and then the fact that in our group, there are three Titanium Marriott members, which – and and we had – Over the course of the week, some of the nights we had six rooms, right? So you would think that one would be like, okay, like I get who I'm dealing with, whatever. Unfortunately, the staff after the first day didn't care. Mm. And so it was constant arguing. You know, they canceled the one reservation. They wanted to charge us almost double for the nights. So Bryce had to bring down his spreadsheet that he had built when we first booked the rooms and said, you're not going to penalize us. We offered to pay for the rooms. You're going to charge us what we had signed up for. So it just became a giant headache. Oh, and then all the way down to, they, we were given the full service breakfast vouchers on the first day. What does What is the difference between the two options? If you're a member, you get only the quote unquote cold breakfast. If right. you're not, you get the hot. The hot, just so we're clear, is Eggs, pancakes, and hash browns and some kind of meat, right? It's not going to break the bank, whatever. They gave us the white ones the first day because we were bringing so many people. And she said, come back anytime. I don't have a whole big stack for the number of people and the number of days you're here. Just come ask and say I said it was fine. So I went to do that and got pushed back in argument. And had to again say, you guys, look at the bills. Look at the amount of people we have here. Do you really want to argue with me on this front? I don't know what to tell you. You can see who checked us in. Call her if you really don't believe me. But again, just making it harder for something that was so stupid, right? And then the final thing I'll say is it's a breakfast buffet. You can order other stuff, but they clearly have it like pre-made and ready to go. 50% of the staff rolled with it was like look I just got 10 tables we're happy to be accommodating and flexible. The other 50% were nasty. We're getting like all huffy with people. I'm like you're basically serving a buffet. Just take a deep breath one at a time. Get their drinks. They're only we're only reacting because of how you're reacting. So I bring all of this up because had they been consistent <laughs> on either side, I feel like it almost would have been better versus this like stark one way where we had a lovely, amazing time and then the other was just like a complete headache. So I thought this was an interesting one because we've never done a 50-50. It's so drastic of a difference. And I think that they need to understand where they're having some challenges and, and where they're doing great and reward the employees that are doing great and maybe find other ones where they're not. So there you go.
0: The experience is going to make or break yes. your business yes. in 2023. It's the only differentiating factor right now, especially when people are complaining about the price of everything that, or they're not going to be opening their pocketbooks as much mm-hmm. as they want. The thing that you can really differentiate on is the experience and the consistency of experience from start to finish and not leaving any of that to chance is really critically important. So I think you exemplified that, April, in that gosh, the whiplash is yes. like a little bit too much here. And it, it, it does it extremely distracts from You're Like, I don't even know what to think about this. So if I'm going to go make a recommendation, what my recommendation look like, how many stars would you give them? Yep. I mean, it starts to kind of go in the middle of the road and all these people who really went above and beyond are going to now be like maybe sucked down to be averaged out and diluted down by the people who didn't. Mm-hmm. So something that you might've given a five for now is going to get a three, mm-hmm. right? So you need to really think about that. That you're thinking about everything, and even if you're not like something that or a business that actually gets quote unquote ratings, just think that people are actually rating you in their head, mm-hmm. regardless if they could put it down in a Google rating or or a Amazon rating or anything. So go for those five star ratings in people's heads. I think that's going to be a really important point for 2023.
1: Yeah, I mean the final thing I'll say there is one: we've booked a different property in a different part of Florida for spring break. Ah, uh, yeah. So not going back and number 2 the ones that were doing a good job we found out have been there for a long time so i have to wonder how long to the point you just made they're going to stick around if they start to see repercussions in right. how they're being rewarded exactly and the final thing i will say is there's a restaurant tour that i think puts a good perspective on this in cincinnati jeff ruby uh, who has several steakhouses even out of Cincinnati now. He is famous for saying good service can make up for mediocre food. Mediocre service can't be made up for with good food. So yeah. I think like that's another another point here. Really smart. Yep. All right. So just to recap, four tips for hosting a successful event. Number one, be clear on who the event is for and who it is not for. Both are equally important so that folks can self-select on either side. Number two, specify the run of show but be flexible in the moment. Make sure you're on track to cover everything you intend, but not at the sacrifice of natural moments that just occur. Number three, incorporate touches that will delight the guests. These are the things that make people feel extra special, that blow them away enough to share with others after the event. And number four, have someone run the event that's not a participant in it. This ensures things stay on track and lets the host or hosts participate with their guests. And with that, we will say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.